If I could just speak to the graduates just briefly. I just want to tell you, graduates, congratulations. You did it. You graduated high school, one graduating college. This is, this is an event that you should certainly celebrate. It's a big deal. It's a milestone in your life. But this is also a time in your life where you're going to be faced with some really important life questions. Questions like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You're going to go to college, trade school, join the military, go straight into the workforce, ministry. But as life continues, you will continue to get more and more questions that you will have to answer. There's going to be more job offers. There's going to be moving to new towns. There's going to be marriage. Then there's going to be children. There's going to be church attendance. There's going to be a lot of things, a lot of questions that life is going to throw you in your directions, and they're going to be very tough questions. And contrary to what the world tells you, you need to know that there are right and wrong answers to those questions. FBC this morning, First Baptist Church, we are honoring your accomplishment today. We're honoring the accomplishment of your graduation. And to each of you, we will be giving you a gift. Spoiler alert, it's a Bible. It's a copy of God's Word. And not only is the law of God written on the very hearts of all mankind, but God has revealed himself through this book. Did you catch what I just said? God has revealed himself to you through this book, the Bible, his holy word, the scriptures. He's revealed to you how you are to live your lives and how to answer life's toughest questions. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us, listen to this, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Did you catch that? All things pertaining to life and godliness is given to us through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. As I said earlier, life will throw you questions, and you may at times not know exactly what to do or how to handle them. But understand how you handle answering these questions is very important. Because answering it the wrong way to a really big question in life can impact your life for the rest of your life. There are many people who are suffering from foolish decisions that they made years and years ago. But on the flip side, the right answer to life's questions, the godly answer will be a choice that will keep you in the very will of God. So my charge to you this morning would be, do not try to live your life on your own understanding, but obtain the very knowledge of God by staying in his word, and then, then you can be prepared to go out into the world. So keep that in mind. As you receive your gift this morning, I believe it's the best thing that we could possibly give you in order to prepare you for the life that lies ahead. So without further ado, the graduates of 2000. 19. First, we have Nathan Andrew Cowling, graduate of Malvern High School. He is going to be attending 
Arkansas Tech University in Russellville, and he's going to be majoring in math. He also is a recipient of the Arkansas Governor's Scholarship, the ATU Board of Trustees Scholarship, the ATU Advanced Scholarships, uh, the Miss Hilliard Jones Mathematics Scholarship, and also the National Merit Scholarship finalist. He's also a member of the uh, Malvern High School Band. He was in the Quiz Bowl for six years, and he played chess. Yeah, smart kid. All right. Congratulations, Nathan. Next, we have Kate Bowen. She's a graduate of Malvern High School, and she has plans on attending Henderson State University and majoring in psychology. Next up, J.J. Davis. J.J. Davis is also graduating from Malvern High School, and he is going to be a recipient of the FBC Deacon Scholarship. So congratulations, J.J. Good job, buddy. And finally, Ashley Danielle Ray. She is graduating Washita Baptist University with a bachelor's degree in Christian studies, and she is planning to attend the Denver Seminary as she and her husband Ray, or Ray, Sean Ray, are moving to moving to Denver after this uh, after this summer, and she is a recipient of the Hatfield Scholarship. All right. So congratulations. And at this time, I've asked Sean to uh, br to uh, bring a charge for the graduates this morning. Graduates, listen up to the Word of God and let the Lord speak to you and direct your lives. Sean Ray. Good morning. Was that on or was that just my voice? Um, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, so you can go ahead and turn there. Um, it's kind of crazy to think back to the time that I was in your shoes um, four years ago, graduating high school, and you're dealing with these uh, excitement, and you're dealing with nervousness of like, uh, I'm going somewhere, I have no friends, and I don't know if I'm going to do well with that. Um, and it's a bunch of emotions, and a lot of everything's about to change. It's an exciting time, but it can also cause nervousness in you. That in and of itself makes it a pivotal point in your life. From here on out, you can kind of decide where your life goes. You either are going to continue the same kind of path that you've had behind you, or you're going to create a completely new one. Um, and so I hope that this message encourages you on the path that the Word of God encourages us to take beyond all these pivotal points in our lives. But this message isn't just for high school and college grads, so everyone, you don't get to zone out. This is still going to apply to you. Um, okay, so we're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 12. But before I read it, I want to give you a little context, because as the youth well knows by now, the most important thing to understand the Bible is context. Um, so this letter is known as a pastoral letter is a very personal one that Paul wrote to his probably favorite disciple. Um, he left him in Ephesus to 
pastor the new church, train up believers and elders so that the church can flourish and live out God's commands. So I was writing this letter to him to encourage him on not to fall into these easy pitfalls of like following false teachings that are around the area and encourage him to be bold and to stand up for what's right and what's true and to use his giftings that God has given him. And so all these themes still apply to us and especially to you graduates who are about to transition into a new phase of life. We want you to stand bold and to use the giftings that God has given you. So, um, so far in the letter through chapter 3 and 4, Paul is outlining the qualifications to be a leader in the church, um, what they have to do, what their lives should look like to be honored as a leader in the church. And then he transitions to showing Timothy that we know how to live because God came in flesh in Jesus Christ. He revealed God's will to us through Jesus as an example. And then he sets up kind of his main point, which is what we're going to be talking about this morning. He starts off chapter 4 with saying, don't forget there's going to be some people who walk away from the faith. And I don't know of a time where that's more evident in our culture. People are going to walk away from the faith. People that you've grown up with in church, people that you know have walked with the Lord for many years are going to walk away from the faith. They're not going to hold, hold fast. But he encourages Timothy to not do this. Um, <clears throat> so he instead encourages him to continue in the faith and this is what we're going to talk about this morning, how to continue in the faith after you leave here, after you leave First Baptist Malvern, where we've hopefully raised you and grown you in the Word of God. So let's jump into uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 12. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe." Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Please open the minds and the hearts of these graduates and everyone here this morning to hear your word. Speak through me. If the words are from me, let them fall on deaf ears, but if they're from you, let them convict people's hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's jump back into verse 6, um, and we're going to start digging through what this means. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Okay, so what are these things that it refers to? Um, it says, if you put these things before the brothers. Um, 
that always kind of points back to what was previously talked about in Scripture. And so in verse 5, he's talking about um, good things in life. Basically, he's dealing with this false teaching about uh, what food you can and can't eat as a believer. And he's saying everything that God has created is good. And in the proper context, you can partake and you can enjoy. And so things like food and marriage, he was encouraging, yes, as believers, you can partake in that. God made it and he wants you to experience that. For you guys, something that is pretty applicable is you can put in work and education in this kind of list of things that God has created and that's good for you. It's okay to pursue work and to pursue education, enjoy that pursuit, and do so in a way that honors the Lord. He wants you to do that. But then we kind of like have to wrestle with, okay, so how do we do that in a way that pleases God? And that's what this verse is talking about. If you put these things before the brothers, that means brothers and sisters, um, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. So, um, if you put these things before the brothers and sisters in the faith. So he's talking about um, enjoying these things in the proper context in a faith community, with a faith community that will encourage you. That's kind of what you've had here. Um, I would hope that it has been that for you. Um, and as we, you can go on to the next slide. Uh, we have to seek community. Um, which, I, like I said, I hope you've had that here and that we've been a family for you to raise you up in that. Um, we're going to look at some of the original Greek in this because it's going to help us understand the phrasing of this verse. Um, it says, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Now, in English, this kind of sounds like it's all in the past tense. But when you look at the original language, the being trained in the words of the faith is in the present tense. So it's this ongoing challenge that Paul is giving Timothy, that you are continuing to be trained. It's not something that's done and in the past and that you can just rest on. It's something that you have to continue to do. You have to continue to train yourself. Um, and then at the end of the verse, the good doctrine that you have followed is in what's called the perfect tense. This means that it's something that did happen in the past, but it has continual effect. It affects our present, and it will continue to affect our future. So we need to continue in our training. It's ongoing. It's happening now, and it will continue to happen um, from the training that started when we first believed. When we chose to follow the Lord, it started there, and it's going to affect us the rest of our life. And so I hope that that is what this is for you, that what you've had here will affect you and continue to affect you beyond here. It will have this ongoing effect. So just from this first verse in this passage, we see that in order to be a good servant to Jesus, we must be involved with the brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can continue to train and build ourselves in the faith. To build on this metaphor, You've laid a foundation here. If you don't continue to build on that good foundation after you leave here, all you have 
is a flat area of ground. You don't have a house. You don't have a complete faith. I hope that that makes sense that you've started here, but it's only the beginning. You're going to continue to build on your faith. And you have to do that in the seeking community. So let's look at verse 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Okay, so I've kind of seen this play out both ways. When I was in high school, I or going through church, I grew up with a friend, and we always, um, we just, we grew up in the church together. We were leaders in ministries together. We were trained very well together, um, and we were looked at as some of the leaders of the youth group by the time we were in high school. When we graduated, I came up here to OBU, and he uh, stayed in Texas and went to a school down there, and we took very different paths. We had a very similar path up to the point of graduation, and then um, we chose to do different things. I took this passage to heart, that I needed to find a community and continue my training in the faith. I needed to continue to grow. He didn't find another community. He didn't continue his training. And so over the years, I've seen this split, and he's seen this split of me continuing to grow in the faith and continuing to understand more and more and grow closer to the Lord while he was drifting further and further away. And now he was understanding less and less. And this came kind of as a, at a climax uh, about a month ago when we started talking again, and we were on a phone call, and he, was, he just kind of broke down and he said, I've drifted so far. I've, I didn't continue on with my relationship with the Lord past high school. And now I like, can barely understand the basics. And he regretted it. He regretted drifting from community. And so, and then continuing his training. And so we know that the context for our training which is what 7 and 8 are going to be talking about, is in this faith community. Without it, you're going to shrivel. Your faith is going to dwindle. Your foundation is going to begin to crack because that's what the community is for, is to help protect you from those things. And it's easy nowadays to find that. On many college campuses, um, we ha you have things like the BCM, um, or crew, things like that, it's easy to find if you're willing to seek it out. You can find fellow believers on college campuses across the country if you just seek them out. And if you're staying here, we want you to obviously stay involved. If, you, if you're in the area, we want you to grow with us still. You're not made to live this life alone. It, you're supposed to be in community. So then he sh transitions to this kind of harsh language of have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Um, he's talking, he's trying to teach and warn against these false teachings and we have them 
in our day like crazy. Um, uh, an example of a few of them, and they sound like this. Um, do whatever makes you happy. If it makes you happy, that's what you need to be doing. There are multiple ways to heaven and to God. Whichever way you choose, as long as you pursue it full with a full heart, you'll get there. Or maybe something more along the lines of um, that if something is right for someone else, you have no position to disagree with them and tell them that that's not the truth. That if it's the truth for them, then it's the truth, period. And that's just not the case. These are irreverent and silly myths. They have no roots. And so Paul contrasts falling into these false teachings with training, training yourself. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training, being healthy, exercising, is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise to the present life and the life to come. So we have to hold true. We have to hold fast to the truth, which is what you've been trained with here. You've been given the word of God the testimony of Jesus, God coming in flesh himself and presenting you with what God wants for us. And you can pursue truth as you go on from here because all truth is from God. So if you full-heartedly pursue truth, not just opinions, but the truth, you'll find God in the end. So we have to train ourselves, but really kind of how do we do that? Um, it seems to be a very crucial part of life. Um, it says it has value in every way um, for the present life and also for the life to come. And so if it's that important, then how do we do it? Um, my answer to that's pretty simple. It's the same way that you would train for anything else. So for sports, you you work out, you, you're disciplined, you get up, you go work out, you're eating healthy, and you're practicing your skills to get better, to perform. For godly life, you're still disciplined and you have to practice. Um, you have to be disciplined in choosing to read God's word and practice what it says to do. So while this is a simple concept, it's not always easy to do. It's going to be difficult. But if you're willing to put in the hard work, you will see the benefit. You, your faith will continue to grow. And it will be so worth it to be made more like him and to bring more glory to him. <clears throat> Let's continue on with verses 9 through 10. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Okay, so like I mentioned just previously, this saying, the gospel, is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. God himself came in the flesh as Jesus and told us exactly what we need to do to have salvation, to be restored back to a relationship with him. And he died for us, paid for our sins, and just said that we need to follow his teachings and we'll be saved. So we've been given this redeemed life here 
and a future promise to hold on to in the coming life. Paul is saying that we need to accept fully right now and the gospel and let it completely change every aspect of our lives. And it's because of this that we work or we train ourselves to push through persecutions because Jesus is alive and is our Savior. He's already defeated the only thing that had a hold on us, which was sin and death, and now we're set free to live. So, as we continue on, we're going to look at verses 11 and 12, and 12 is probably one of the most popular verses uh, amongst youth. Um, Ashley's high school youth group was even named after this verse, Um, and its popularity is pretty well deserved. It's so rich and applicable. You don't have to jump through a bunch of interpretive hoops to understand what this means or to apply it to your lives. Everyone can take this verse and apply it. It's still applicable today. So let's read verse 11 and 12. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Okay, this, I mean, it's straightforward. It means that we need to be an example in our speech. So when people hear us talk and how we talk about other people, how we talk to other people, they're going to see a difference in us. They're going to recognize that we're a disciple of Jesus. When, we, when they see how we interact with people, how we treat others, they're going to recognize the difference. People should be challenged when they see how much you trust God and how willing you are to do whatever He calls you to do, no matter how crazy that might make you look. They should be challenged by that. They should see how you handle your romantic relationships and see a stark contrast to how the world says you should handle those relationships. And they should recognize that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul charged Timothy with and what we as your faith family charge you with today. Go and be a light to this world. We're sending you out as missionaries. You've been trained here and we're commissioning you to send you to all your college campuses or wherever you're going to end up working to go and spread the gospel, to go and be an example. This is the natural flow of life for you to grow up, spread your wings, and go be on your own. And we want to encourage that. We want to help you in every way to do that. And as you go do that, in order to thrive, in order to continue on in your faith, to continue building on the foundation that's been laid here, you need to seek community. You need to train yourself to obey God's word. And you need to be an example with your words and your actions. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. As Paul said at the beginning of this letter, he says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This is our charge to you this morning. Go and be a light in the world. Now, graduates and families, please come up here. We're going to um, pray.
pray over you. And as, after we pray, we're going to sing the closing hymn, and then everyone come and congratulate the, the graduates because this is an exciting time in their life, um, and they need to feel your love. <clears throat> this prayer is going to come from Colossians chapter 1, and it was Paul's prayer for believers. It was the church family that he can't always be with. We're not always going to get to be with these graduates, and so this is our prayer for them this morning. It's from Colossians chapter 1. Dear Lord, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. God, thank you for these graduates. We trust that you will continue to be with them as they go into this next phase of life. And we ask that you guide them and draw them near to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.